0: Alright, we're gonna go ahead and get started this morning. Uh, if, if you are sitting in a place where there's no notebook, grab a notebook. I got a bunch of notebooks. There's notebooks for, uh, for you guys to take notes. There's an ink pen. Does, who doesn't have a notebook? Did, did you need a notebook? You got a notebook? I got a free notebook, so take a notebook. You got it? Okay. Anybody else? Alright. Well, thank you guys for being here for being here this morning. Got some coffee and donuts if you're interested. No, okay. Hey, friend! Oh, man. What time? What time did, did we meet for 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 the last men's study? Was it at six? Somebody said six. For some reason, I thought it was six thirty. Was it really? We tried to get it for Was it really six o'clock? We woke up at 6:30, right? Halfway through. So when we had it at six o'clock, I still came. I thought it was 6:30, but when we had it at six o'clock, we probably had 20 more men. So maybe that's the key to bring it back to six o'clock, <laughs> or se- or se- or seven good. Seven's good. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, well, well, I'm so happy you guys are here. Just to kind of give you the idea of what this what the study is, it's based on this book called The The Disciplines of a Godly Man. It's uh, written by R. Kent Hughes, and it's just a really good book. I, I came across the book about a year ago, and just uh, I had to get it for a class that, that I was taking, and so I was reading through it, and I thought, man, this would be a really great study to take men through, and so because it's the disciplines of a godly man, and so we're gonna get into the details of the class, but before we do that, we, we have a special guest here. He is all the way from Albania, from Eastern Europe. He flew, he flew in here just to be here for this class this morning, not, not, not technically, but he's here to visit our church. He's a missionary that, that we support, uh, and his name is Carlos Valadaris, or as people say in the south from Texas, Valadaris, and uh, I would like to get him to come up. I got to meet Carlos uh in the summer. When when was the trip? When did we come down? June June of last year. Me and Joel got to go as our first time going to Europe and um I basically was half asleep the whole time I was there because I underestimated jet lag. But it was a really great time. Carlos is doing a great work there. So I just wanted him to come and greet you guys and just to encourage you and just tell you what he's doing there.
1: Uh, good morning everyone. Uh, I'm Carlos Valladares, Valladares, <laughs> and uh, my wife and my two daughters, we are missionaries in Albania. We're originally from El Salvador in a year, uh, I don't know, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, Brother Gary and Sister Karen Crump came to El Salvador when I was uh, 16 years old. I met them, and uh, in that time I needed to move on uh, into high school. It was so difficult to, to, to continue my studies. And then they invited me to stay at their home while I was taking classes in high school. Well, those, they said you can come three times a week and spend an hour here and then go home. Uh, those three times a week became a whole full week and then three years. And then in college, I just stayed there and I, t- I went to visit my family <laughs> and, uh, and 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 uh, and uh, I learned with them uh, that uh, special call uh, for the mission. And and then we became missionaries, I got married, uh, I finished my uh, program in Master's Commission program, I finished my Bible uh, Bible school studies, and And then uh, we were serving in Honduras uh, for uh, 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 several years, my first uh, daughter was born in El Salvador, the second one in Honduras, so we thought, oh, we're going to stay in Honduras forever, because we just love the Honduran people, and there's a lot of need, and then, then God said, "No, I think you need to go far away." Well, that what is far away? And then, <laughs> and then uh, uh, He spoke to me about uh, Albania, a Muslim country, and I thought, "No way! I have two daughters. That's for missionaries with boys. Then there is not a problem. The girls in the Muslim countries is a whole different story." And then God just gave us peace to my wife and my and my older uh, daughter. Older daughter, she she was uh, around nine years old. And then uh, I said, well, God has to speak to Kelly. And Kelly said, uh, I really have peace that so we need to be missionaries there in, in Albania. So I was like, we got to go. Uh, we've been there for three years. Uh, now we're planting the, uh, the first church that we came in. We made a church, a small church was there in a uh, and uh, uh, we began to support them and help them. A new pastor, uh, uh, he just got to church, he didn't know what to do. Albanian pastor, he's coming from a Muslim background. And then we decide while we're learning the language, we're just going to support him. Well, now, praise God, we're planting two different churches around that church. And uh, uh, Muslim uh, children are coming to our discipleship programs. And uh, we have been able through do, uh, because we're doing the discipleship program with the children, Bibles are going through, uh, are going with them to their different homes, and kids are reading the Bible for the first time. You will be amazed to hear that in Kosovo, which is the, the nearby place in Macedonia. Uh, there are people still who never heard here about Jesus, the name of Jesus. And, and when you come last, uh, two months ago, uh, the Bible school students that we have, because there is a Bible school uh, going on in, in Albania, and in Tirana. I'm sorry, there were two minutes. I'll go quickly. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and um, uh, they went into their missions practical trip a- into Macedonia. They got into a town across the border. And and people were there. Muslim, a Muslim town. I mean, everything is Muslim. Five times a year, you hear the, the call, and uh, uh, for the Muslim prayer, they came to this town, and 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 they said, "We've been here, or gen, or families have been here for 400 years, and in 400 years, no one, we never had hear about someone, speaking about Jesus that you're speaking about it, and uh, we never heard anything like that. And uh, and uh, Albania only has. Uh, 3 million people, Uh, and uh, out of that, only 200 200 evangelical Christians are in the whole country. I mean, when I'll drive, it it is like a mosque, a mosque, a mosque, every every place. I'm coming from a country where uh, 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 we get a church every block in El Salvador. 50% of the population is uh, declared evangelical Christian. And out of seven million, so uh, 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 when I got to Albania, it was like to be in the, the desert, and and, and it spiritually it dries you out, and uh, and I mean it's a personal work that we have to do every day. People ask me from El Salvador, what do you want me to pray for? How can we pray? Or friends ask, how can we pray for you? I said. Can we pray for God to provide funds? Can we pray for God to do this for you? I said, look, God will provide whatever he needs to provide. I mean, he sent me here, so he has to pay for anything. What I want you to pray is for that anointing to continue with us because it drives me out. I said, that is it's when you have a little bit of oil with you, and then you just have to use it, use it, and, and you feel like the end of the month is coming, and that oil is not coming again, and then you, you go through the Bible, we read the Bible, we, we study, we pray, and we just feel like those prayers don't hit, I mean, they hit the roof, then they don't go up, and, uh, and then uh, we read, and we're like, we go through, so I will touch your book. It's so, oh. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> and and then, you read, you read, you read, you read. There are times, there are days when I read three or four different books of the Bible. I mean, uh, not, not. It's Isaiah was 66, but Ephesians with 5 or uh, five or 10. Sometimes I read into 25 different chapters just one morning just to be able to to feel refreshed in the Lord. And there are times when I read 25, 30 chapters and I still feel dry. And I said, what's wrong with me? Uh, I'm not a good Christian. <laughs> it's just the environment is so heavy, it's so intense where we are. And, and uh, so when friends ask me, What can we pray for? I said, pray for that anointing of the Holy Spirit to not leave us because we just need his presence to confirm every day that we are in the right place. Uh, Some other students asked me one time in a video uh, call from El Salvador, Ah, Brother Carlos, God is doing great things in Albania, but did you ever feel like you you don't want to be there anymore? I said, oh, every day I don't want to be here. Every day I want to go back home. But what makes you stay there? I said, well, first is the Right call that we received from God, that peace that came that day when God confirmed that we should be missionaries to Albania, that what is holding us there. Then uh, out of that, there's nothing else. <laughs> and food is good, people are wonderful, and uh, and uh, the language was a, a, a barrier, but thank God now we're speaking the third language, which is the Albanian and uh, and then my daughter is speaking the fourth language now uh, french i think she should be able to communicate with some of you here <laughs> and uh, and then uh, uh um i said all of that is good but uh uh what we are uh, uh depending on is on what the Lord really uh, will do and we just want to continue having that great peace uh, to to be here in albania to be in albania anyway uh, um God has been good. Uh, uh, we have been seeing, uh, seeing people receiving Jesus. Uh, people who had we had worked for years, two or three years, uh, uh, they're now for the first time come to church. I mean, uh, when, I write, when I when I when I share with you about someone who for after two years we've been talking and come to church for us it's like man, uh, five thousand people receive Jesus in uh, in in a in a, in a, event, in a service and uh, 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 coming. Uh, from Albania to share that is just to tell you that God really uh, is moving in a place, and there are still places uh, that uh, haven't been, uh, the word of God has has not been spread all over. And uh, um, we need we need. Um, so whenever you pray for us, uh, uh, it's not a mission. It's uh, meeting right now <laughs> it's, it's about the disciplines of god but uh, uh, of the godly men but uh, whenever you you think about albania keep us in prayer for that anointing i mean yes the lord will provide we're sure about it we have seen and i was just sharing with brother clyde and i said listen i i, I believe god always will bless our step of faith so moving from El Salvador to Albania, I didn't know Albania exists in the beginning. and But moving there, it was just a big step of faith. And God has blessed that big step of faith. We have three different facilities now with groups going on. We, are, we have translated different books into discipleship for children. And in three years, I just don't know how it has been done. It's just the, the power of God. And, and, and I want to tell you, I, 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 even though the weather is so cold, oh, I was going to share that. Even though it's so cold in the winter because, uh, our facilities or structure is not like yours. You have a wonderful heating area in there. It's cold like your place and this year we got snow in our house, but the structure is like Latin America. It's bricks and floor, uh, like, uh, uh, um, it 's not wood floor, and so the house never never gets warm and uh, and uh, I will share a little bit tomorrow on that, so I will take another ten minutes tomorrow at <laughs> church but uh, 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 I was going to say uh, I remember I was walking in my living room because I was so cold I just couldn 't heat. I mean coming from El Salvador like, where the weather never changed, and uh, i I just told God I said God. I know. I'm sure this cold will never go away because every year we'll have to come back, and uh, maybe I will learn the language. But I know every every year will be winter, and, and 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 I just know if I can't stand that because it was so cold. Even if I dress, sometimes we wear so. I mean, all these clothes in the top of the, the house, you touch things and never gets warm. And uh, and I said, God, I really don't know. I just want you to help us go through every year. So even though we know the winter is coming right now, we're so excited summer is coming. So we're going to enjoy summer. And even though we know winter will come, we're so excited to be there because uh, kids from Albania, they need to know about Jesus. And uh, and uh, 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 thank you. I'm sorry. It took too many minutes. God bless you. <laughs> nice meeting you. You know, what Carlos said about
0: the environment in Albania, you know, that really struck me when I was there. You know, we went to go do some house visits. Um, you know, they, they can't go and proclaim the gospel freely there because it, it's a Muslim country. And so one of the strategies that they have is to go house to house and just through connections that they have, friends and family members of some of their church people, and they'll go and visit. And so me and Joel got to go into different homes. And, you know, it's really, it's really dark, and it's really, uh, it's really a, a, a tough road to plow. It's hard work. And uh, it's really an amazing thing to see the gospel uh, at the ground level, It's kind of similar to the early church and what, what it would have been like there. So it's just really needs a, a very, very good brother. We're glad that he's here. But now on to the study. Why you're here is uh, to hear about the disciplines of a godly man. So just like I told you, it's based upon this book. And so we're going to have three people that are going to teach it. <clears throat> I'm going to introduce it this morning. <clears throat> and then uh, i 'm going to do the, the the second lesson this next week, then Derek Dunn will do the middle two lessons, and then uh, Matt Carnes will close the last two so it'll be six weeks worth of study and so why why do a study on discipline why Why should we do a study on discipline you know it 's the word discipline comes across as restrictive as uh, Constraining discipline. I, I, don't, I don't want to get up and study discipline at seven in the morning. That's what you study when you're in school to be to be disciplined, or your parents discipline you or correct you. So when you're thinking about that subject, why why discipline? I, I think there's plenty of scriptures um, in the New Testament, specifically in Paul's writings, where the Apostle Paul really challenges, specifically Timothy, but challenges all of us through Scripture. To be disciplined towards godliness. So this is not a, a series on being disciplined in your life for the sake of being disciplined. I've got to wake up at 3 in the morning and I've got to do this and do that and, and, and do that so I can be a disciplined man. We're talking specifically about spiritual growth. The, the whole premise of, of this series for six weeks is how can we grow spiritually and how can we discipline ourselves to grow spiritually? And so if our theme scripture, if you have your Bibles, you can open to First Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Our theme scripture is this scripture here. It says, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and for the life that is to come. And so we're going to key in on that phrase. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So you guys, we would all admit that we want to be more godly, right? We want to be godly. We, we, we want to be Christ-like. Well, Paul is telling Timothy here that that's going to happen through training. He says, train yourself towards godliness. And so that word train... That word train in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, it comes from the Greek word, which means, and this surprised me, it means naked. The word train uh, in the Greek uh, means naked. Uh, And and that word train, translated into the English, means gymnasium. And so you got the picture of naked and gymnasium. So what in the world are we getting at here? Naked in the gymnasium. Well... If you studied, if you studied, uh, if you ever have ever studied early Greek athletics, so the Greeks in athletics, they would perform their athletics naked. And the idea was, was that there was no restraints. This is before spandex was invented, (laughs) where you could kind of constrict everything as men, uh, so that that they would do the athletics naked. And so... The the picture here that Paul is giving an an athletic picture, and and that's the point that we're trying to bring out here, that it it is an athletic imagery that Paul is telling Timothy, look, don't devote yourself to silly myths, to arguing about genealogies. Uh, Don't don't devote your time to all these other things that the enemy is trying to to distract you. And now, now the context of Paul and Timothy is that Paul is trying to encourage Timothy as a young pastor He's passing a church in Ephesus and there's lots of persecution. There's false teachers that have risen up and he's trying to encourage Timothy, look, pursue godliness, train yourself towards godliness. And, and actually, at, in other places in first Timothy, Paul tells him, says, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. He says, but but prove yourself an example in the way you live your life. In the way that you pray and study God's word and pursue godliness, live your life as an example. And so, this is why Paul is encouraging Timothy is because there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of reasons why he should not pursue to be Christ-like and to pursue godliness. And so, he's telling him, look, it's going to take effort. You're going to have to train yourself. And so, if we go on, there's some other writings of Paul. Just there's two there's two other verses here that I think kind of continue this theme that Paul is. Bringing out here, you know, Paul, he's telling t- Timothy to put some work into his spiritual life. He's calling for spiritual sweat. And Paul also wrote Hebrews, and in Hebrews twelve one and 2, uh, here's another picture here, similar type of theme. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And so the picture there, Paul's giving another picture of athletics in Romans 12.1. It's the idea that, look, the spiritual life is like a race that we're in. It's not a sprint, but it's a, it's, it's a marathon. And Paul was telling Timothy, you're running this race, and so you have to strip off every hindrance and every weight. It's kind of that idea back to that, that naked idea, how the Greeks would do their athletics naked. It's the same similar picture. You've got to strip away every hindrance, every encumbrance, because this is a race and it's going to take some endurance. It's going to take some endurance. And and actually, if you go on to verse two in Hebrews 12, this is such a neat little picture here. It says looking to Jesus. Okay. so Paul tells Timothy, I mean, Paul, Paul tells us in Hebrews 12, we need to run this race with endurance. And then he says, here's your example. Look to Jesus, and what did Jesus do? He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? Endured the cross. So Paul tells us in Hebrews, you're gonna to have to endure and have endurance and perseverance, and Jesus is your example, who he, 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 he laid aside every weight and every hindrance, every encumbrance, and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain and the suffering. And if we look again at another letter that Paul wrote uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, gives some more pictures here of, of spiritual sweat, of working, of striving, of pursuing godliness. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Kind of like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Pretty simple there. Do you not know that in, in a race all the runners run? but only one receives the prize so run in such a way that you may obtain it so he's saying again it's this picture that the spiritual life is like a race it's it's a marathon you're running and only one's going to receive the prize and what's the prize Christ likeness it's 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 one one day we're going to be in the glories of heaven and that's where we're headed and the prize is Christ likeness but you don't obtain that by just haphazard approach. You, you don't obtain Christ-likeness by just laying on the ground expecting God to zap you. You have to run in such a way that you want to obtain that prize. And, every, and to do that, every athlete exercises self-control or discipline in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Some powerful truths there. So Paul is clearly giving us in these three scriptures, he's clearly giving us a picture that in the Christian life, the Christian life should be. If we're going to if we're going to become more and more like Christ, we should have a disciplined Christian life where we discipline ourselves our physical bodies, we discipline ourselves to pursue spiritual things so that we can become more like Christ. So that's the premise of this whole series, and this is the reason, this is kind of laying the foundation here. But I want to look at, based upon these scriptures, this idea that Paul is laying out, I want to look at two reasons why we should do a study on the disciplines of a godly man. Two reasons why. Two main reasons. The first reason is this. Besides what scripture says, First reason is this: is that in today's church, disciplined Christian lives are the exception, not the rule. In today's church, specifically in our country, in America, in the West, disciplined Christian lives are the exception, not the rule. And so, from being in and in and around church almost all of my life, uh, being a pastor, I. Th- this bears witness with me. I, I really believe that, that this is true, that there's an idea that's out there that people can have that, you know, church attendance one day a week on a Sunday, one hour, one day a week is enough for me to grow spiritually. Right. It can kind of be this idea that, that I can grow spiritually without having to do much of anything. I just have to attend church. I got check it. as long as I check off the box of church attendance on Sunday. I'm good to go. I'm just going to kind of coast through and make it through. And then whenever we, we call a class at 7 in the morning, it's a little more challenging to, to get people. I mean, you guys are amazing. Y'all are here. This is a beautiful thing. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it's challenging to get people to, to get down deeper into the spiritual disciplines, into pursuing godliness, because this tends to be the idea that spiritual growth is going to happen just by itself. Uh, but that that's really not the case why 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 is it that you think and I, and I want you to to dialogue why is it that you think that people there are people that will come to our church and churches all over why is it that you think that they believe that church attendance on a Sunday morning is all they really need for for their spiritual life? Why do you think people fall into that trap right right yeah we 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 don't see the need beyond a sunday morning service i just ha, i just hear a message and it kind of gets me kind of helps me coast yeah no that's a that's a very good point very good point there jj yeah no definitely if you were raised in a particular t- type of church where you know you, you went for 45 minutes to an hour one day a week and that was it that's what you were raised to see and that's kind of the habit that you develop. It's hard for you to, to, to dig in any deeper than that and to see any value in it. A lot of it is, is the world. So you come in on Sunday morning, you're filled up, you're, you're, you're jacked up. Monday morning you go to work and then you're just beat up by the world. Yeah, definitely. Right, so you, you, you feel encouraged on Sunday and then you get into the world and it's just like you get into your, into your routines, you get into your schedules, things that you have to do. And so it's more challenging to discipline yourself towards godliness Monday through Saturday. Absolutely. I really think that mercy and its good. Absolutely, that's a that's a that's an excellent point. You know, you can you can come to think that, and me and Matt were talking about this message prior. You know, and I'm kind of getting in front of myself here. I'm going to bring out this point later, but the idea that you know God gives us grace, salvation is based upon grace, right? Grace alone through faith alone. We we can't save ourselves. It's not of our own works. And so when we understand that, sometimes we can take advantage of that grace and just kind of like. Coast on the grace and feel like, well, I really don't have to do anything else because because God did it all for me. And I'm, I'm going to bring, I'm going to talk about the difference between justification and sanctification, leading into this next point. But but I agree with you that sometimes we can coast on that sense of grace and take that for for a, for a granted. Definitely. I was, I was going to say too. I just believe sometimes to, to get outside one day a week, um, you know, know more. <clears throat> having more commitment than possibly having to learn more or to understand more, I think that becomes intimidating mm-hmm. sometimes too. I'm um, I mean, okay with just being on the surface here because there's an intimidation factor we get. Sure. Here as well. Definitely. And then there's the accountability factor. You're accountable for what you know. As you dig in deeper, the Lord reveals more to you, so then you're accountable to live out what you've heard. Yes, Mariah? Uh, I guess the question is, is that
1: how much is it? So we have a tendency of asking ourselves that question, mm-hmm. and when we ask ourselves that question, a lot of times we pull out our own slide rule, our own measuring stick, or measuring
0: cup
1: to what
0: is about. Mm-hmm. Never enough. Right. We get enough to sure. <laughs> sure. So all—all really great answers. Yes. I just think like down here in the south, uh, seven and seven. My dad worked seven 7 seven. <clears throat> see so you put a Bible in the car. You know, and take off. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to find time. And I, I wasn't an author, but I do know that, that life dictates certain schedules. Absolutely. That's an excellent point. I, I think about my my father-in-law. He worked 20 and 10, 21 and 10 or something like that for all, all of my wife's life. And one of his struggles was for his 10 days he was home, it was... What am I going to do with my ten days? I'm not going to go spend it at church with a bunch of church people. I'll go on a Sunday, but the rest of it's party time. It's spending the money I've worked hard for 21 days offshore to to earn. So there's definitely there's very there's varying reasons why for men. Now this is the class for men. So there's very reason there's, there's a lot of reasons why it's difficult for us to take our Christian life beyond a Sunday morning because it's easier to do that. It's harder to get up at. Six six thirty to come here on a Saturday morning to, to do this, uh, but but there's so much benefit, and this is what this this series is go, is going to teach us, and this is what the scripture said there um, in First Timothy four. It says that it said that bodily discipline profits you a little, right? But spiritual discipline, training yourself towards godliness, it has benefits now, and then it has benefits in eternity. That means that when we discipline ourselves spiritually, the spiritual impact we make in this life, we carry that on into heaven. And we, we bring jewels and treasures with us because of what we've done, because we've taken the time to put things, to put first things first and to honor God in every area of our life. And so I do believe, though, that it, the idea of Christian, a Christian, a disciplined Christian life is the exception for a lot of these reasons that we just brought up. But believing, and this is a real simple point, believing that we're going to grow spiritually by just attending on Sunday morning and doing nothing else, by just doing nothing else, is kind of like believing that if you, if you go in your car that's parked in your garage and you have a destination in mind that you want to go to, that by sitting in the car long enough, you're going to get there. What do you have to do? you got to put the key in the ignition you got to turn the engine on put your foot on the brake put the the the, the gear shifter in reverse and you got to put you got to put your your foot to the gas pedal right you, if we have a destination and what's again what's the destination christ likeness the destination is as we go through these chapters we're, we're going to be talking about our relationships with with, with, with our, our wife and our children, our relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Where we'll be talking about work. We'll be talking about family. We'll be talking about character and purity. All these areas we have to discipline ourselves in towards godliness. That's the destination. That we want to be like Christ in every area of our life. Not just Sunday morning church attendance. And so at some point, you've got to put the, the car in gear. You've got to hit the accelerator. And in that process, the Holy Spirit works within you and helps and, and, and empowers your effort and your motivation. And so I think a struggle with all, all of this is that when we talk about this subject, I think people's minds go towards one area. And it's typically, it's typically their mind goes towards the idea of legalism. And so they feel like, well, any talk, any talk of discipline and self effort and working. Well, that, that's not the gospel, right? Because the gospel is by grace alone through faith alone. So that's legalism, right? And that's what a lot of people think. And I think that's a hindrance in a lot of people's minds towards this idea that spiritual growth, that you, you play a part in your spiritual growth, is that, well, that's legalism. And so I want to define what legalism is versus godly discipline towards godliness. Legalism is self-centered so it's legalism is self-centered it's a self-focused approach to appeasing god or trying to make god happy with your self-effort so this is not this this whole six weeks is not about you trying to appease god because god is up there and god's mad at you and i want god wants you to, to to live holy and be right because if you don't do that then you're going to come out of favor with god it's not the, that that's legalism and legalism. Another side of of being a, a legalist is that you believe that by disciplining yourself towards godliness and living rightly that you're going to maintain your righteousness before God. So how is it that we become righteous with God? By grace alone through faith alone. And what what happens when you become righteous? The Bible says that by grace through faith, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that you become the righteousness of God in Jesus and you are justified before God. That means in a, it's a picture of a legal court. So that means when you stand before a holy God, the judge of the universe, and you are clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus, that means that there's nothing else you can do. No amount of self-discipline, no amount of good works that you can do that will change that. So this is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is our flesh. That unregenerated, unrighteous part of us that, that our new nature dwells in that has a tendency to not want to pursue godliness. We're talking about the discipline and the training of this flesh. And so legalism can have the motivation to earn righteousness and approval from God based upon good works. But the opposite side of that Godly discipline is God-centered. It's God-focused. And it's because of our love for Christ that we desire to prioritize our lives. And that's a great word there. Prioritize our lives in such a way that helps us move towards Christ-likeness. We want to be like Christ because we love Him. And because we love Him, we want to be like Christ. And so th- this, is, this, is one of the, this is one of the reasons why because I just believe, and I've seen it throughout the years, I've seen, it in, I've seen it in my life. I have a tendency just to coast, just to want to coast, to kind of coast, coast on the momentum that I've had in my Christian life. Just kind of, I've done pretty good for a few months, and so I'm just going to kind of coast and put it in neutral, right? The Christian life, we, we can't, look, as Carlos mentioned, look, Carlos can't afford to put it in neutral in his environment there. He can't go in neutral. Because it, it's, it's difficult, it's hard, it's, 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 it's a plowing work that he has to do. And I think we've been lulled to sleep here in the American church, and we think that it's not a plowing work. We, we, we think the Christian life in our context is not a plowing work, where we have to, to really dig in deep and pursue the Lord. And we really think, we can kind of sometimes believe, and I'm guilty of this too, that the enemy not real. That he's not out there trying to keep us from displaying the beauty of Christ in every area of our life. The enemy is real. And he is there. We have a real enemy, and we're in a real battle. Ephesians 6 points to that when, it talks, when Paul talks about the fact that we have to have spiritual armor. Because we are in a battle. And, and the spiritual battle for the believer centers on whether or not we are going to reflect the image of Christ to a lost and a dying world the enemy wants to stop us he knows he can't change our spiritual condition that we're righteous when someone's righteous they're righteous he can't change that when god when you belong to god you belong to god but what he can do is he can stop you from christian effectiveness he can stop you from being a bold witness in this life and and i think the key of the point of all this is that if we're going to do that it's going to be because of godly disciplines it's going to be because we take that serious and we say god I, I, don't want to, I don't want to give in to, uh, uh, um, to passivity on my part. I don't want to give in to this idea that it's really not a spiritual battle. God, help me to stay sharp so that in every area of my life, I leave no room open for the enemy to come in and to win ground in my life, in my marriage, in my work, in my work ethic, in my family, in raising my kids, in my finances, in my character, in my purity. In these areas, God, I want to honor you and please you, God, because I love you. And I want, and I want to display the beauty of Christ. Motivation. You, you can write this phrase down. Motivation is everything. Motivation is everything. That is so key that we are motivated correctly. We're not motivated to maintain our Christianity or to make God, to keep God happy with us. We're motivated out of love for God. Think about, think about those of you here this morning that are married and, and ha- or, or have children. Think about that motivation. Do you discipline yourself to go to work to provide for them? Why do you do that? Would, would you rather stay home? Yeah, right? If I could work from home, right? But we discipline ourselves because we love them. If you didn't love them, you'd be lazy, you'd be slothful, you'd be late for work, you'd be constantly, you'd have a bad work ethic because you don't really love your family. Because if you really loved them, you'd get up on time, you'd clock in on time, and you'd be the best worker at every company that you work for, but it's because of your motivation. Because you love God, and because you love your wife and your kids, and you know that if you don't work, there's no food on the on that table and again that's the picture of motivation motivation is everything we don't grow spiritually by osmosis. we don't grow spiritually by thinking hard enough about growing spiritually spiritual growth that leads to godliness is a slow and a steady process that we have to be committed to pursue spiritual growth that leads to godliness is a slow and steady process that we have to be committed to pursue. Okay, so that's the first reason. The second reason why we're doing a study on the disciplines of a godly man, number two, and this is a challenging one for us as men, but it's true. Secondly, men are far less spiritually disciplined than women. Men are far less spiritually disciplined than women. I remember when I first got married, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you guys. When I first got married... My wife put me to shame. She really did. Like she, I mean, she didn't put me to shame. She wasn't trying to shame me. She just was being herself because she loved the Lord more than I did, apparently. And uh, the most disciplined woman I've ever met. I mean, she could, she can get up at 3.30 in the morning. She brews that coffee and she's, she's in the word and she's in prayer. And I'm, and I'm watching this and I'm, I stay up late and I like to sleep in. So I'm, I'm, I'm with all the guys that like to sleep in. This is not the easiest thing for me to wake up at 5.30 in the morning to come here for this class. So but God's working on me, and I'm getting better with the, the the early rising. But I remember watching that in my wife's life as I was getting married. We've been married for 13 years now. And I remember the first few years, I'm like, I feel I feel terrible. <laughs> I'm the one that's supposed to be doing this and demonstrating to her. But she's look, she spent... She spent years, and, and I think it really, there was a, a ministry, Teen, teen, uh, teen Mania, uh, Ron Luce, who led this youth ministry back in the 90s when she was a teenager at, at 17 or 18, she went to be an intern for this ministry, and they they pushed the spiritual disciplines in her life in a very profound way, and so she developed habits at an early age where she prioritized that, and so... When I first got married, I was embarrassed, and so it took me a few years. And she was my example. I mean, I'm just being brutally honest, and the guys don't really want to admit that, but it's true. The Lord used her to, to convict my heart and say, "You know what, buddy? You need to really be the spiritual leader in your marriage and in, and in your home, and you can't you can't allow your wife to be the one that is is doing this." And so it is true. Men are less spiritually disciplined than women. I mean. The stats prove it. I've, I've got some some stats here from the, from the Barna group. Three out of four people who buy Christian books in bookstores are women. I mean, the women love the Bible studies, right? They, they could do Bible studies every month, every other month, I think. I mean, like, they love to get together and do all these Bible studies and all these awesome women topics, right? They, they, they just thrive off of it. And, and as men... We just want to hunt and fish and hang out. And I want to watch the masters. And and I just want to do my thing. I, I, It's just, it's, it's, I think it's connected with the fall, right? Let's think back to the curse that God gave Adam. What did God do? After Adam and he fell, God told Adam, he said, your curse and a part of your curse is that you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. So work and discipline is not the easiest thing for us to do. And and, and so we, physically, we have to work and discipline ourselves in that area. And so when somebody tells us we have to do that spiritually, wait a minute, that's a little bit overload for me. And I think it's we're, we're working against this ingrained tendency we have as men from the fall to push back against discipline. And so I, 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 I just believe that women just more, I I've said it all the time, women love God more than men. That's just a joke. It's not really true. But but it it can appear that way because it's natural for for them. 71% of women, with the the Barna study that were polled, 71% of women believe that religion can answer society's problems compared to 55% of men. Uh, The average church in America has over 60% female attendance. Over 60% compared to less than 40, 40% male. And that's just the reality of where we are in our society, in our culture. And it's been like this for years, for decades, for centuries. This is this is nothing new. Men, men are men. Men have been men since, since the beginning. And this has always been the, the tendency and the trend. And so this is a reason why we want to do a study on this. We want to break that trend, right? And I just want to say... I, when we did our study on how to study God's Word last year, and we had 60 plus men show up the first Saturday morning at 6, I still don't believe it was at 6, I think it was at 6.30, but 6 in the morning, 63 men, and then this morning it's probably around 40 men. This is an amazing thing for our for our church. You know, this is a great trend in the right direction for our church. We have men, you guys love the Lord. That's why you're here. You, you care deeply about your spiritual life. And so, we want you guys to continue in this trend, and we want you guys to influence the men that are in our church. You know, look, actually, me and Tom were talking about that about the, uh, about the men's conference and how we had 60 men sign up for the men's conference this last week. And we thought, man, that's really great. We had 60 men from our church. And then Tom made the statement yeah, but there are a lot more men in our church than 60 men, right? I mean, we, we have 1,200, 1,300 people that attend our church. And if the stats are true, 40% male, what would that make it? That would be about maybe 500 men? We had 60. So, and I know there's I mean, it's all kinds of reasons. It was $44 to go to the conference. I get that. It's tough times right now in, our, in, in, in the oil field. And so there's various reasons why, schedules. But just think about that. What would it be like for a Saturday morning, 7 o'clock Bible study, and we had 200 men show up, and we couldn't do it here. We had to do it in the sanctuary. How beautiful would that be? And I, and I think that's the goal, right? I mean, we can't we can't. I mean, I, I, that's what we want. We want to see every man that comes to Living Word Church engaged in their spiritual life, engaged in their marriage, and with their kids, and 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 engaged around disciplining themselves towards godliness, towards Christ-likeness. Because the more men look, the more men that are on board with pursuing Christ and being like Christ the more impact this church will have in this city, in this area. I'm telling you, when we get an army of men that will rise up and will take serious their responsibility to pursue godliness, to lead well, there's nothing that's going to stop this church. I'm telling you, we will will have to go to two to three services quickly when we have men that will rise up and and not not just take their, their, their own personal spiritual growth seriously, but take evangelism seriously. You know, because when you grow spiritually, you all of a sudden, as you get closer to Christ, what happens? You start seeing like He sees. You start thinking like He thinks. And so that means when you look out at the world and you see people that don't know Jesus, as you grow spiritually, you see how Jesus sees. You see those people, your heart wells up with compassion. And you become an evangelist for Christ. And that's just how it works. It's slow and it's steady and before you know it, we're going to have 200 men for a Saturday morning study. I think that's, that's a good goal, right? That's, that, that, that's, that's what we should pray towards. We, we want to change the trend in the lives of the men that are in our church. The trend towards passivity. It's a great word, passivity. That's a, ten, that's a tendency that all of us men have. It's a tendency towards passivity. You guys are changing that trend in, in your life. And we want to see that change in others' lives. When men care about their own spiritual growth and discipline, themse- when men care about their own spiritual growth and discipline themselves for the purpose of godliness, their impact is far-reaching. So, just want to read the scripture in Deuteronomy five, nine and ten. This is God speaking. He says, "You must not bow down." This is this is towards this is uh, towards the end of the Ten Commandments here says, you must not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So you see a generational impact that comes from fathers who aren't disciplining themselves towards godliness, towards fathers who are not godly. Their impact, their sins impact three to four generations. Our lives have, have impact as, as fathers, as men. But look at the promise in, in the next verse. But showing faithful love to a thousand generations, to those who love me and keep my commandments. That is so powerful. Look at the multiplied impact. So I, it, it's, it's contrasted like that for a reason. That yes, our negative... The, our, our sin and the issues in our life uh, when we're when we're outside of christ's covering can impact generations three or four generations passes it, it has that ability to do that but when a man pursues God in every area of his life disciplines himself towards Christ likeness he can that impact can reach to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. just want to in, 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 i want to encourage you that your 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 decisions to pursue god to come here on saturday mornings for these six weeks and to continue and and, and to take and to allow this book in all the areas that it's going to cover and to just say lord here's my heart because i understand that my impact has far reach into the future and so i'm just going to open op, op, i'm going to open up my heart and i want you to examine examine every area you know here's some of the topics the, the the discipline of purity lord i'm going to open my heart where where am i in in the in, in the area of sexual purity the discipline of marriage god where am i in my marriage how is my marriage the discipline of fatherhood of friendship the discipline of the mind of devotion of prayer of worship the the discipline of integrity of your tongue of work church leadership giving ministry just throughout all these subjects that we're going to cover, Lord, I open my heart, and I know I'm not where I should be, and Lord, I'm, I'm going to lay my heart bare because I desire to grow in all these areas. So let that be the attitude that you bring to it every single Saturday for these next five Saturdays. So I want to encourage you, your life has impact. And just kind of a, a, a concluding thought here. When we think of the word discipline, just like I said earlier when we introduced the subject, Sometimes we think of restrictions and restraint. But i, I, I would like us to think of it differently. Think of, think of disciplines as, liber, as liberation, as freedom. And here's some examples of how that takes place. Think of the athlete who, dis, who disciplines himself or herself. I've been watching the uh, Masters tournament. Any, anybody else watching the Masters with me? All right, I got a couple golf, three golf fans here, or just think about football. Anybody likes football? You guys like football? Okay, so think about that linebacker who is just. uh, Let's see, who who's a great linebacker? Um, I don't know. Who? Ray Lewis, that's a great one. They think of Ray Lewis, right? The guy was an animal on the field when he would play. I mean, he knew the, the, the tendencies of, 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 of the offense because he would study film every single day. Every single day. He knew the playbooks. He was an animal because when he, when he, but, but, but when he got out there, the reason he was able to be free... To function as he was supposed to function was because he spent the time disciplining his body, disciplining his mind. And so that's the picture there. Discipline, when you discipline yourself, it produces freedom. It's not this idea that discipline is just this restraint. Well, I'm, I'm restraining myself. No, I'm disciplining myself so I can freely be all that God has called me to be. It's the same picture. When a musician disciplines himself, what's produced? Beautiful music. Like beautiful music that you love to listen to, think of your favorite artist. I guarantee you they have spent hours upon hours even the even the most naturally gifted person they spent hours upon hours disciplining themselves to practice, to train to learn the chords and to learn the notes and to to learn how to sing and and, and when they produce that beautiful music, we just think we we, we get the benefit of it, but we didn 't see the blood the sweat and the tears that the athlete put in that the that the artist put in and here's something that hits a little more close to home the home builder the home builder who disciplines himself and perfects his craft what does he produce produces quality homes and continued business Have you guys ever been in a home that was built and, and you think man who in the world built this house like, this is terrible. Like, everything is off-center. It's, it's, there's no, there's no kind of like, there's just, you can tell there's no discipline in their work ethic. Where the opposite is true. You go into home, and it's beautiful. It's immaculate. Everything is straight and square. And you can tell, look at this. Look at this work. Well, that home builder spent years disciplining himself or herself to know how to work the tools, to know how to do it. And so that discipline produces a beautiful result and a beautiful freedom and liberation to be all that God had called them to 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 be in their life. And so that's that's the heart of it. This is why we're here. I, again, I I just I just am overwhelmed again, just like I was last time, to see you guys here. It's just such a great gift in our church to see men that love the Lord that take that take this serious. And I'm just encouraged I know it encourages Matt and Derek and it just encourages us to see that you guys are here. So that's that's the reason why. This is why we're in this study. I'm in this study for myself. I'm preaching I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to, to, to myself that there you know look, even as a pastor, I'm not where I should be. You know? I, I'm I'm further along than I was when I first got married. <laughs> and God's helped me to discipline myself and to to, to read the Bible, to have a consistent Bible reading plan and to pray consistently and to spend time in His presence and in worship. And, and I'm a lot further along than, than, than I was, but I'm nowhere near where I know I need to be. And I'm never going to give up. And that's the point. I'm never going to give up. And the reason I never give up pursuing godliness is because God has my heart. God has my heart. Because He has my heart, then my, my heart is pointed in that direction. It's never going to change. I may have seasons where there's things that, that try to cover up that and prevent my affections towards Christ and pursuing Him, but it doesn't last very long because God has my heart. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank You for this morning, God. We thank You for this class. I thank You for these men. And Lord, I, I, I just pray, Lord, that these next five weeks, that You would teach us all. God, teach us how to be men of discipline. That we would truly learn how to discipline ourselves towards godliness. God, first of all, God, I thank you, Lord, that as, as followers of you, Lord, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that we can do or not do that can change that. We belong to you and we are, we are yours. And Lord, because we are yours, because you have our heart, Lord, may we, because of that motivation, continually pursue you in in all of these areas but we want to discipline ourselves in these areas to become more and more like you so that ultimately we can reflect your image so that others can come to faith we thank you for i thank you for for these men thank you for the rest of their day lord bless the work of their hands and their time with their family pray that you give them good time with with their wives and with their kids thank you for a great saturday morning lord in jesus name amen Amen. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next Saturday.